welcome to Stock Odds's Odds and End podcast. I'm Gabe Singh here with Rob Friesen, trying to look at the week ahead and get our bearings on our trading for the week. Good evening, Rob. How's everything? Good. Thank you very much. Um, look forward to talking with you here. Let's see what we have for our listeners today. Um, why don't you take it, take and run with it here first? Yeah, I mean, we've had some. We've had a big week. We've had big movements, um, big sell-off and fear on Thursday, and then giant kind of rallies on Friday. And uh, is it risk off? Is it risk on? I mean, what do the numbers say? <laughs> so, and we're still in mid-month seasonality here too. So there is some money flow at the markets back, but there's lots of uncertainty. There's news in China about their economic data. We've got Putin and Finland and Sweden and the geopolitical risk there. So, so much going on. It's a very complex market. And uh, and I do have some stuff on the third Friday um, of the month coming up here. But uh, what do you see from your perch and what are you thinking this evening? Well, I mean, you know, we've we've had a we've had a sustained weekly closes that have been lower. Um, even though we didn't close on the worst last week. Um, so on the, on the weekly, we have been kind of sliding down into this uh, air pocket, you know, so there's not, there's not as many numbers there that, you know, until we get to more of a consolidation area or a previous high that we had, you know, after we bounced uh, coming out of 2020. Uh, so there's some still some distance to travel down. What I don't like is I, I never saw real capitulation because like usually you get a volume spike along with a real low that's put in and maybe a potential reversal on that day or you even close at that low, but it's just, you know, a real volume flush out. I, I didn't see that. Did you? No, I mean, the VIX got to like 36, I think 37 tops. And everyone, all the talking heads keep saying, oh, you've got to see a VIX of 40, right? 40 or higher and a spike and something sharp, right? And we've been pressing between 30 and 36 continuously. And the volume's just been, it's elevated, but it's not spiky, right? Like you saw in the pandemic or any, any of those other capitulation moments. So that's concerning that we could have that kind of minus 10% day or or greater and then get that spike. Yeah, I mean, we have to be prepared for it because I don't think we're completely out of the woods as we've been talking about. Um, and there, there's still, you know, bad news coming out. Now, it doesn't mean we can't climb the wall of worry. We've done that before too. Um, but I don't know, I also don't like this flip-flop where, you know, you have a, a big up day one day and then the next day it gives it all back. Um, you know, without that capitulatory event, it's just sort of like it, it gets people rather confused. It started by the Fed announcement. We were up a thousand points that day and then the next day down. I mean, it's back and forth constantly. Yeah, that's, and that can be very frustrating. Now, the same thing is happening in the overnight futures, too, where like when we opened this evening at 6 p.m. Eastern time, um, we were up, we started to push up and, and we've completely reversed that. So uh, say the Dow futures being up 200 points and going all the way down 200 points. And now we're off 152 points at 0.47. So um, 
I don't know if it can rebuild uh, through the night and we can come in and, and things are looking better. M my stance would be to have two different type of lists that you want to deploy. One is, you know, a little bit more risk on, more aggressive, and one is more defensive. Uh -huh. And if you're prepared like that every day, well, you can prepare ahead of time. You can say, okay, this is what things are looking at. I'll, I'll, I'll put a nice robust risk on list. And then um, I'll also prepare a defensive list just in case I come in in the morning and things are looking pretty bad. Uh, so, you know, chance favors a prepared mind. You, you know, you can put together that relatively easy. So what goes into a more defensive list? It would be uh, lower betas, maybe a little less technology exposure, uh, also a little bit less energy exposure because the problem with energy is it was up earlier too and now it's down, right? Yeah. So uh, you can get caught in that. Um, how much is it off right now? 1.33% and it was up earlier. Yeah. You know, so you don't want to get caught in a three or four, five percent pullback in energy stocks. So and the other thing is um, that into some the, of the stocks, yeah. Yeah, some of the stocks on Friday were up huge, five, six, seven percent. So taking those on the long side, there's a lot to give back, right? Well, so, well, the true, even on energy was up, uh, but you know, like you think about that ahead of a weekend, right? You think about you know there might be more concern and and we may take the energy but if if nothing really develops over the weekend and you know you have that elevated energy stocks you can see them pull back on a monday or tuesday quite readily right so there is a little bit of weekly seasonality to to the energy too and i think it's more of a concern when you go into the weekend Anyway, that being said, um, let's just, again, run through things. Uh, I'll just take the futures here. So the Dow Jones futures are off 0.49%, 157 points. S&P is off 0.57 or 23 points. NASDAQ is off 0.52 or 64 points. And Russell is off 0.69 or 12 points. Um, the VIX currently is up at up 1.67%. We're right back to under just under 29.50. We're at 29.30 right now. And um, what do we have happening in the currencies? We see the US dollar is up just slightly it's still holding up really well and so the us dollar you have to think about when it's stronger it benefits domestic companies a little bit more uh internationally exposed companies do a little worse uh commodities do a little worse when the us dollar is elevated and we're not rallying right at the moment but we start still are in an elevated situation Mm -hmm. um, metals, we talked about that last Sunday about looking out at the start of seasonality. You mentioned semiconductors would be desirable, uh, a little bit more bullish. Commodity-based stuff, especially gold, silver, would be a little bit more bearish. And I think it played out that way. Uh, for it the did. And so what are we looking at with metals right now? Um, 
Uh, gold, silver, they're all up a little bit. Platinum down, a copper, uh, copper's down 0.79% right now. That's probably tied to the weak outlook in China, right? Yeah. So, so, so what's the theme you've picked up here from the China news is slowing global economy? Yeah. I mean, we already have fear of recession in the U.S. and China has weak economic data because of their lockdowns. It's going to be a global recession. So things that you need to build and things that are metals of progress are like copper, right? So you'll need less copper. People aren't building as much stuff and and producing as much. Well, don't worry. Bitcoin will save us. It's up 2.62% right now, up $777. It's at back at 30,000. It kind of went earlier again, when everything kind of opened for the, overnight session here, um, it, it shot up pretty good. And uh, we've got to 31,400 or so. And uh, it's pulled back to uh, 30,400. So it's still up, but it's down from its highs substantially. And, and it's again, it's showing, you know, similar concerns as technology stocks and, and more uh, risk on uh, assets. It, yeah, it's a good clue for that. So at this point, we still don't know how things are going to be in the morning. Mm-hmm. And so if you if you only choose like one type of a list, you're saying I'm preparing a risk on list, you still might have to vet it a little bit, right? You have to mm-hmm. come in and say, okay, I've got some energy exposure and um, you know, energy's not looking great this morning. I think I'll I'll remove that. Uh, I've got way too much technology exposure, you know, I should pick my battles, you might reduce some of that. I think a de-risk list and then a re-risk list, right? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I I think that's a really great approach, Um, you know, just to to have the ability to say I'm deploying, you know, this stance. And it's no different than you come in one day and the market's gapping up, you know, 500 Dow points. Are you going to trade differently on that day than when it's gapping down 500 points? Sure. Okay, but but a lot of people don't like they want to approach every day the same. Mm-hmm. You know, when it's gapping up 500 points, there is a concern that you might have just pegged the high top of the day. T- top you t- know. T- and, and if it starts to fill the gap, you know, and you bought all that stuff up there, you're going to feel a lot of pain. If it's gapping down 500 points, you know, that could be a great opportunity because we are we still over the long sample have a buy side market and it is different statistically when something gaps up one or two percent versus gaps down one or two percent because of the buy side emphasis over the long sample so you're going to deploy your trades very differently on that day you would go like hey i want all this stuff at a discount but i'm going to have my head standing by Um, on the big gap up day you're going to choose more limit orders you know decide you know where your battle is where do you want to uh you know, get involved where you, you don't want to get involved. Um, I would be I would be really concerned if you had a technology stock, for example, that had been up strong two days in a row and then was gapping this next morning up substantially. Mm-hmm. If if that is a high tick and it starts to pull back, you know, it, it can drop a lot and it's going to it's going to hurt you. So, uh, yeah, you have to have your head just standing by, but you also have to say, 
how much do I really want to pay up? Again, it's very different on a discount day when you come in and the market's gapping down. Um, there's a lot of stuff you can buy on the cheap. Not all of it's going to be great. It might be a day where, you know, the high P multiples suffer for the whole day and the more defensive stocks open down as well, but they, they hold up pretty well for the day. And, um, and so this is, this is how traders have to constantly adjust. You can go to stock odds. You can get your list curated. Um, like, like I said, you could have a, a defensive list and a more aggress aggressive risk-on list. You can also vet things based on what is happening pre-market, any of the news, any of the relationship trades where some, something in the group had an earnings or had a, a bad situation and dropped. And we've seen this. If you have a communication stock that gets whacked, it probably brings down most of the stocks in the group. If you have a, a high-flying gold stock that gets whacked, it probably brings down a lot of its you know, peers. Uh, this is just what happens. You can't ignore that. Um, and so that's what the, the pre-morning vetting is all about, is to look at the landscape and then decide what exposure you want. And the hardest part is to decide whether some group that's down will spring back or whether it will continue to stay down and get worse. So that's the hardest thing. Mm -hmm. You know, you can recognize it very easily, but what do you do with it? Mm -hmm. um, and so it's not all you found yourself, Dave, right? It's not always the case where a down group stays down. It so what I've been down. doing is making sure I have some representation from every group, even though it's an up group or down group pre-market, because for that same problem, I mean, um, otherwise you get really concentrated. It ends up being really good or really bad because you took all the sectors that were up pre-market. So, so here's what you can do. Let's say you had a, a reasonably small list, um, you know, 10, 15, 20 symbols. You could apply the sector ETFs as your hedges right from the get-go, no matter if the market's gapping up or down. But then as it starts to, the market starts to trade, and especially as you get past that opening range, that five to 10 minutes into the day, and, and it's starting to establish its sentiment and trend for the day after the open like that, mm -hmm. you could then peel off. Let's just say you had two financial stocks and you had XLF as the hedge. You could just start reducing the XLF hedge if financials were doing great. Mm -hmm. So it's a way for you to be uh, an active manager of, of that basket and your hedges instead of just being passive, right? Um, it's simpler to do when you have an entire list and then you only have one hedging instrument because you can just change the weighting very simply. When you have a lot of different hedges on, it's more complicated. So I'm not saying it's going to be easy, but that is one thing that you can do is just reduce the exposure on the hedge sides. Okay. All right. Um, what are... So we've got uh, Friday coming up, which is expiration, third Friday yeah. of the month. We do have that on the uh, Almanac. Can you rattle off some things that you yeah, see so for that? From the Almanac last week, we talked about mid-month seasonality, and we're still in that. So it's the ninth through 14th day of the month. So it's a nice window where the themes we talked about last week still might play out, which was things like help, um, semiconductors and uh, shorter things like gold and silver. So 
we, it's a long, it's going to be a long week, right? Five days of th- this kind of action. So we still may get some uh, performance out of that list, but also um, we have the third Friday seasonality coming up this Friday where the spider is expected to do 0.028% return. And I looked at to see which sectors would be outperformers or underperformers and um, things like, uh, the Nasdaq is expected to do about the same as the Spider, but IWM, so the Russell, those stocks might outperform 0.52 relative to 0.28 there, right? And then some uh, sectors specifically, consumer discretionary, biotech, um, and NVIDIA, things like uh, NVIDIA and Netflix, these might do well as well. So I think that tied along with the mid-month seasonality, you might get some overlap in the kind of symbols that might outperform. And things that might underperform are some of the financials, the XLF, uh, KBE, KRE, with the regionals. So that might be weaker. And um, chips again. And uh, even the diamonds are expected to underperform. The, right. So it's kind of an interesting mix of things. So there may be opportunities to play within that. And one of, one of the edges that you have, as we mentioned last week, too, is when there's divergence between a group that's expected to perform, you know, well or poorly for that seasonality event. So the seasonality event is Friday, third Friday of the month expiration. So if, for example, you have some groups that perform generally pretty well on that day, uh, historically, then if they're deeply discounted in front of that, that could be the attractive longs. If things are already at a premium and they're expected to perform poorly, that could give you your you know your great short opportunities there. So um, think think of you know it's no different than some of you follow indicators and you look for divergence between the signals, you know the moving average versus the the signal or something. you you're looking for divergence to give you, some more information. It would be the same approach here. As you're approaching an event, a seasonality window, are the groups and the stocks at a discount to it or at a premium to it? And what's the subsequent behavior expected? So discount would be great for the bull side for the event, and premium would be great for the short side for the event. Make sense? Very good. Okay, I'll let you go. Thanks for brainstorming, and we'll uh, catch you here tomorrow. Good luck.